0: My spidey sense is tingling. Yell yeah, out the host that will reverse troll you in a growing facial hair. He is slim. This is the Paper Keg Podcast, episode 129. Welcome to
1: the show. Hit comic podcast on iTunes right now. Top 20. I can feel it.
2: If you drill down into various subcategories, we're just all over the what's hot. If you drill down like six levels.
1: Uh, We're hot. We're we, hot. we talk about the books we read this week, and we'll do a book club that we read together. One of the biggest Marvel events of all times Avengers vs. X Men. Welcome, welcome to the show. First of all, we'll go around the room and introduce our hosts. If this is the first time you're listening, uh, we have an actual real life writer on the show. Real. Unpublished. By choice. <laughs> uh, he's wearing a big white Hanes tee. Hanes tee sponsoring the show. They're, they're back with us for another contract.
0: Tagless is maximum comfort, maximum fashion. <laughs>
1: Speaking of fashion, we'll get into the sweater Jonesy was wearing last night while we were out on the town that I really want to get into. It
0: was unisex. Uh, Jonesy loves beer. Welcome back to the show. Thank you again so much for having me. Uh, it was a vestigan, as it was termed. Uh, part vest, part cardigan, all awesome. Uh, steel gray, cable knit, beautiful piece of merchandise.
1: Oh my god, It was amazing. He, I, I, we, You could have seen Doris Day Walk into the bar wearing the same sweater And you would not have batted an eyelash We have another host He's a father He's growing a goatee And it's astounding uh, Dale underscore a Twitter sensation You're blowing it up We just talked about your follower count Through the roof Welcome back to the show
2: It's great to be here I'm uh, recovering from a weekend filled with uh, maple, Crown Royal, and a, a stark, stern rule that I do not wear sweaters because anything more than a double X and it just hugs your fat body like like something unnatural.
1: Jem'sy's <laughs> sweater was all natural. <laughs> it, it had it, it had ca- like the um. The look of a hoodie, like there was like a neck thing that ra- that raised in the back, like he was wearing the Superman costume from the JLA, <laughs> and then there was like a V-neck that he could couple together like a like a like a scarf. And I'd never seen anything like it. I was amazed.
0: Like a scarf again, if you will. It scarf. was really quite great.
1: <laughs> uh, but we have a big show. Vendors vs. X Men is our book club later in the show. Twelve issues, I guess technically thirteen issues. If you count the zero issue You have to A lot of pages A lot of pages A lot of heroes um, Battling each other to the death This was Marvel's event from last year um, I'm surprised that we all finished it in time If I can be honest If we did Gen Z's frozen I don't even know if he finished it I don't even know if he's here still
0: I'm getting like a two second delay on my end
1: <laughs> <laughs> Live
0: He's still heard my
1: first joke about his sweater again from the intro. He doesn't even know what's happening. Are you? Is your Dropbox paused right now? You it is. In, pause. I can send you screenshots. Okay, got it. <laughs> I'll get the screenshot an hour from now after you send that. So uh, big show, um, Dale. I'm excited for this book club.
2: Yeah, this is. well, man, it was. It was great to revisit. Let's. I'm trying to save it for the show, but this is this is pinnacle. Pinnacle. pinnacle
1: yeah so it sounds like you have a rave review coming but I don't want to get into it just yet let's Your not get rave into review it. let's
2: not get into it.
1: Um, Dale's rave review coming later in the show but uh at this segment of the show we talk about the books that we'd read this week um, if we had the time hopefully otherwise we'll hit our archives where we talk about a book we read maybe three months ago <laughs> uh, which might be the case as well Dale you're you're flying high on social media uh, and I want to hear from you first, please.
2: This week, I went ahead and I picked up... This going to surprise you, maybe. Maybe not. Amazing Spider-Man, issue 700.1? Stunner. Question mark? Oh, my. Coming out of complete left field. I had no idea these uh, this issue, this mini-series, was hitting the racks... I walk in the comic book shop in Wilmington, Delaware, and there's an amazing an amazing Spider Man, seven hundred point one, staring me at my face in my pool bin. Written by David Morell, Klaus Janssen on art. What? Get this. Klaus Jansen, yeah. What? Steve Buccalato Buchalado.
1: Doesn't oh. he color Flash?
2: I think he does. And, this, and this has a, this is completely, I, now I, I can't, it's out of continuity, I guess. It's a Peter Parker story. No explanation in the issues. It's, it's all, it, frankly, it's, it's like the amazing Spider-Man had never stopped. Peter Parker never stopped being Spider-Man.
1: Your dream scenario.
2: Yeah, yes, yeah. so in in one alternate world and Peter Parker is I don't know, he's kind of has the humdrums. He's uh he does what he does and he has to remind himself nightly that you know, even though he gets a bunch of guff from Jay Jonah and people who take his uh kindness for granted that he has a purpose but he's kind of like hit this little depressed slash physically ill um state and he has a talk with Aunt May of course yeah that's 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 what he would do he's a good nephew <laughs> he falls asleep for like 24 48 hours and there's a big snowstorm coming coming uh headed nyc you know And I really got a vibe that the first couple issues of um, Daredevil Dark Nights gave off. The art was very similar.
1: Was it a spiritual metaphor laden
2: at all? Yes, at the end. At the end, it was. And uh, Spidey's just kind of watching the city... Under the oppressive snowstorm, Aunt May loses power out there in Queens. <clears throat> she, he's wondering how she's doing, and uh, like a tree falls and like breaks her window. Oof. Her heat goes out. She's suffering over there, and he kind of he's he starts to pull himself out of the funk by the end of the issue. He's like, "Well, Peter Parker can't get over there. I mean, there are." Uh, you know no cars on the street he couldn't walk but Spider-Man he, like, he's he's almost like he's finding a reason to be Spider-Man again after a couple days off And uh,
1: Do you think this was one of those issues that had been done for like maybe a year or two and they just didn't know what to do with it so they kind of threw it out there as a 700.1 or .0 it doesn't really make any sense to me why it would be a 700 point anything
2: Wow you just you may have just opened my eyes I hadn't even thought of that Hmm. but it's very possible that there was like a five or six issue mini here like story arc that just got pushed to the wayside you may be right hmm. and for it to be an amazing spider-man proper that's what's conf- confusing a confusing choice other than you know to to sell to sell books And Jonesy, I haven't, it's it's hard to not see Jonesy's face. I just see his icon pulsating with his voice, and it's really disconcerting.
1: He looks like a, his, his picture on my Google Hangout is like of a guest jeans pose, where he's like looking down, like somberly, like he's waiting for the love of his life to show up. If you play any Tina song, it should be from Thunderdome. I can do that. I have the power. So how was the issue? It, it didn't take away from the fact that uh, no. it was amazing, Spider-Man 700 point, didn't do anything other negative than, for you?
2: Other than my thoughts wandering about why it, it it was being done at all, it was a very good issue, and I look forward to the next couple. It, uh, it was a beautiful art. The color was gorgeous, and, you know, not for nothing. It was good, not that I'm pining for the days of Peter quite yet. I'm enjoying the current... Superior Spider-Man, but it was cool to have uh, you know Peter in his uh, in his ways. I He's could
1: swear that they did this point trick before with the seven hundredth issue. Like I could could have sworn. Maybe, oh, you know what it was? It was they did point one issues for the final issues of Web of Spider-Man and like Spectacular, maybe like six months ago.
2: Oh yeah, and they were really far removed from when they actually ended right yeah I remember yeah this it was
1: totally out. it was like the similar thing it was like a mini series kind of i think it took place in all his b titles final issues it was really strange mm-hmm. i think iron man did that too they had like an old um bob layton iron man one issue or whatever and they they published it very strange
2: hmm. i like them t- for for experimenting like that though yeah mm-hmm. it's neat
1: well you're a marvel you're a marvel guy Marvel and Dark Horse, you've Tied. talked about it previously. They're your big two, and you'd do anything for them.
2: Tied for my favorite publishers.
1: Uh, let me talk about a book I read, if I may. I'm going to talk about one of Dale's favorite creators. And he's right now he's thinking of Dark Horse. He's thinking of who is my favorite creator of Dark Horse. I'm
2: trying to think right now, searching the, f- the memory map. Immediately
1: bags. comes to mind Eric Powell.
2: Oh, yes.
1: He, uh, unbeknownst to me, my DC Comics ignorance, he did a miniseries which I'm reading as a collection, Superman Escape from Bizarro World, written by Geoff Johns, uh, our deceased co-host Mark Farrington's favorite writer, and Richard Donner. You ever heard of this guy? He apparently directed some Superman movies. One or
0: two. Heyo. Hiyo. Uh. He, I, I can see
1: you almost just searching for Tina Turner uh, of Thunderdome right now. Yeah. I can see the reflection off your face.
2: Be- um, between that and Assassin's Creed 4, we barely have Jonesy tonight, folks. Yeah, he's
1: only, He just he just crossed into Cat Island right now on Assassin's Creed 4. <laughs> We're getting the, meta uh, right now. It's so es- too meta. Es- Escape from Bizarro World. Um, I've only read Eric Powell's stuff from The Goon when well, we did that one episode where Dale picked the goon for our book club I fought so it hard dale, for it. it was a dale pick <laughs> so superman escape from bizarro world starts out with bizarro coming to the kent home and taking pa kent away to some place with a blue sun not cool and uh first of all the art amazing Out of this world style for a Superman comic book. Really? It's not like your monthly, you know, I don't want to say churned out art, but you read comics for a long enough time, you you get to see what the style of monthly comics are. But this Eric Powell stuff is just like unlike anything that's out. Tell it, Tina. So (laughs) Superman, uh, as this is written by Richard Donner, he goes to the Fortress of Solitude to talk to his father jor with those those blades of whatever the hell is going on in that fortress and uh, Jor-El tells him that you know in a galaxy with a blue sun your powers are amplified and you might even get new powers with a galaxy with a blue sun mm. so he takes his little rocket ship and goes to this place with the blue sun and Bizarro is there and he's cultivated his own metropolis and he's cultivated a community with other bizarros. Like I'm guessing that that's part of his power there. He can just make people from his mind. So there's a Lois, there's a, you know, there's a whole Daily Planet staff there that is like Bizarro, but is the, is their Bizarro counterpart. So Superman gets there and is trying to find Pa Kent and he's starting to get really pissed off that Bizarro has done this. And he even says, like, you know, you've never made me angry before, Bizarro, but I'm getting really pissed off now. Whoa. And he finds where Pot Kent is, and that's the end of the first issue that I read of this collection. It's it's, it's gorgeous. I loved really? it.
0: Wow. Now, because Donner's writing, do they do, like, an homage to Reeves? Is Soup's is like, no, modeled No, he actually three? kind
1: of, even though I harp on John Ham being casted in all superhero <laughs> casting dream posts he actually kind of gives off a john ham just chiseled jaw really r- like rugged 60s superman look i don't know that's how i would describe it
0: now for for the let's get a little meta real quick <laughs> we were at the uh at the mcgurks last night and slim very very curiously says you know uh disney pick up the rights for indiana jones uh who would you cast as indiana and i was like i don't know slim you know maybe some kind of old school lantern jaw and he interrupts and goes i bet you love john ham don't you <laughs> I guess you want John <laughs> Hammond in the role. Never even mentioned John or Ham, and I got trolled. First headlong. of all,
1: I don't even remember that comment coming of, from myself. Of course not. Of course I not. I had maybe a little too many at this McGurk's. So this book, I mean, I highly recommend it. The, the cover, the artwork, um, I tweeted one of them from the Comixology proper account this yesterday morning. Disclaimer, I work for Comixology. Um, highly recommend it. I didn't even know it existed. Like until DC started putting out these collections. Wow. Mm. If they existed in single comic form. I have no idea Dang. what the hell they were. I mean, let alone Eric Powell on Superman. Yeah, you,
2: really. You got to know this, and I did not. I would have never known since DC is not definitely not might not my top two favorite publishers. I would have. <laughs> yeah, your big two. They're not even. That's not even on my radar in favorite mm-hmm. publisher lists.
1: And that's just not on your comic HUD.
2: <laughs> they're not the John, <laughs> John Ham of
0: publishers. I bet you would love John Ham though if he was a publisher, wouldn't you? How
1: about Jonesy? We're getting super mad, but this will be the last time we bring it up. But Jonesy, last night we're at this bar celebrating birthdays of two women in our lives, and Jonesy meets, meets someone that he doesn't—he's never met before in real life—and he's introduced, and he's like, oh, oh, I, "I love your Twitter." And at that point, I just—I went right awkward. back to the bar and ordered another shot, and I was like, "This is going to be a long night, friend." Awkward. Jonesy with his his sweater again—you know, telling
0: people he loves their Twitter. Was a scene?
2: What, did, did you did you mistake him for somebody else, Jonesy? Like you do? At no, every it was bar? the
0: guy, and it was his Twitter. But uh, like he's like a I friend of realized... a friend, I
1: think that Jonesy had never met, but he follows oh, on Twitter. Yeah. Okay. So, what do you think that guy's never... reaction was to getting told that he has a great Twitter? Mor-
0: he was mortified. <laughs> he was mortified. <laughs> <laughs> Which is so... awkward because if somebody
2: complimented me on my Twitter that I didn't know, I would love them forever. Yeah, you'd want to scissor them immediately.
0: Yeah. There was like a slow smile that faded to disgust when I said it. I was like,
1: oh, hey. It was uh, awkward. Uh, speaking of awkward, the king of awkward, Jonesy, please tell us about a book that you read this I week. I want to talk about The Voice of a Generation
0: <laughs> and Richard his book, In- <laughs> Inhuman- Inhumanity, issue number one. So, you know, cut the brass tacks, as Slim likes to say. Uh, I had no idea who the Inhumans were, much to, uh, uh, I'm sure, people's chagrin. We'll find uh, out in the letters. But Inhumanity 1 was a great introduction to the Inhumans, if you don't know much about them. Uh, the Avengers, still in the wake <coughs> of um, Thanos' destruction of um, Adolin, or whatever this the Inhuman city is, has kind of picked up the pieces and... One of the Inhumans, Karnak, is kind of in the rubble, and they manage to like calm him down and get him to talk. And he explains to the Avengers and to the audience you know, how, how the Inhumans came to be. And a long time ago, when we were still, you know, multiple tribes and evolutions of the human race, uh, the Kree came to Earth and kind of tinkered with a group. And the result was the Inhumans. So, you know, half of the Inhumans wanted to weaponize in case the Kree wanted to come back. And there are the Inhumans that we know now. And some just wanted to, you know, not become the, the Kree destiny that was set out for them. And they kind of blended into human culture, which is how you got all the hidden Kree. that got uh, activated when um, the city fell. So it's not a lot of action in this issue. But it is a lot of groundwork for this new series, which is to come, which I appreciated. And usually I rag on uh, issues like this because it's like, hasn't everyone heard the origin of X? Hmm. Well, you know, now me being a big dumb palooka, not knowing who the Inhumans were, I was thankful for this issue. So if you're interested in following this or how the Inhumans are going to tie into the Marvel Universe now, um, pick up Inhumanity, issue number one, by Voice of a Generation. My Fraction.
1: I was interested that they... I, for whatever reason, thought this was going to be another series. Like, when I read this in the previews catalog, I saw Inhumans and Inhumanity, and I was like, oh, is Inhumans also a new series because it's a number one? But I guess this is going to follow the Inhuman subtitle number one. So, like, the next issue is the chick with the red hair, Medusa? Is that what her name mm-hmm. is? Yeah. Yes. So she's the next issue. I guess it'll rotate across all the other characters. Quip cool was on art for that issue
2: save for the book club
1: good heavens oh my God, God. bad um, two cents or less lightning round right now big two lobbyist Dale underscore a please
2: Wolverine and the x-men number 38. Wolverine P.O.'d that S.H.I.E.L.D. has been manufacturing sentinels in case mutants tend to get out of line. If they don't start moving on this Mystique is Dazzler storyline, I mean, I could just throw my hands up. I don't know.
1: Marvel Knight's X-Men number two. It is revealed that the mutant they're searching for can create visual memories in front of her, and the only way to stop her mutant power is to cut herself. Probably my favorite monthly X-Men comic right now.
0: Tim Gibson's Moth City, issue number six. This amazing genre-bending thriller reaches a fever pitch of kung fu in issue six. Please understand, this gets my highest possible recommendation for a Guide of You book.
2: Are we here first?
1: Hashtag John Loves Beer, seal of approval.
2: Hashtag Joni.
1: <laughs> Hashtag mice. <laughs> Avengers versus X Men: the biggest event you have ever seen from well, Marvel need Comics.
2: Hero.
1: <laughs> from Brubaker, so several writers on this. First time Marvel's ever done this, where they just get like a brain trust, the architects doing the story for an event and they split up writing duties for all 12 issues so one writer per issue and I think like three artists that did the series in chunks um Jonesy please what is Avengers versus X-Men
0: so many generations ago in the city of uh, Kun which of course you know uh, from knowing things houses the immortal Iron Fist uh the Phoenix approaches Earth and the Kunalunians devise a way for the iron fist to repel it. Flash to Hope Summers, the mutant Messiah. No, no, you know, no, 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 she's a teen. She could be fighting crime. Maybe that's what she's about now. But we know that there is something special about her. In the vastness of the universe, the Phoenix approaches yet again. The Avengers want to stop the Phoenix Force from destroying the Earth as it has done from Jean Grey and the Dark Phoenix. And the X-Men are like, "Uh uh-uh, this is our thing. You can't have hope because obviously she's the mutant messiah and everybody hates mutants. So this causes some tension between Cap and Cyclops. And in a sucker punch move, Cyclops decides to eye blast Cap on the shores of Utopia, And that sets off the Avengers versus X Men. The first act is the mad dash to get Hope either on either X Men or Avengers side. Then, in a startling fifth issue, the Phoenix Five are formed. Phoenix comes to Earth. Iron Man comes in at the last moment with some kind of special device that splits the Phoenixes Gundam into five pheni. And they uh, proceed to, you know, in the second act, make the Earth in their own image. In the climactic third act, Professor X is killed by his mentor, Cyclops, his and the student. Phoenix-fied are finally taken down. AVX.
1: And I guess that epilogue would be the ending set the stage for Marvel Comics for the next few years.
0: Good job on that. Yes.
1: Oh, yeah. Huge. New mutants, new Avengers team with mutants. Huge. Cyclops, kind of this new Magneto figure that is worshipped by mutants and reviled by others. Um This was, I think this was, I'm trying to think about what I want to talk about first for this book, because there's just a ton. Get into 13 it. 13 issues. My God. Um. I can't remember if this was the first big Marvel release that came with the digital codes came with like the digital copy free for the print versions. I remember that being a big deal. I think it was like the first time they've ever done it.
2: Yeah. I think you're, I think you're absolutely right. It was, that was the, yeah.
1: And I also remember this being like when I went my barometer for Marvel events, I kind of rate it as to how accessible it is for new readers. This was the first one that I can remember being accessible since Civil War. Like, Civil War it got a lot of people into comics because it was like Cap's team versus Tony's team. And this is like that to the nth degree. You know, the two biggest teams in in Marvel battling each other. And that's like the biggest pitch you could do for any new reader. Like, Infinity isn't, to me, new reader friendly at all. It's kind of like a like a break in events for new readers. But this is so massive. Like when I reread it, I kind of forgot entirely about the Phoenix five. Like I got into like three or four issues in, it and I was like, Oh crap, this is like only the first act. Um, but it, like you have to think about it. It's 13 issues, but this came out twice a month. So it wasn't a year long event. It was six months. And I think the last issue was like a month later from the last one, but I, I, I enjoyed it. It's, I didn't love it the second time around. And actually, the f- the one thing that sucked out of me the whole time was, I don't like John Romita Jr.'s art with this inker.
0: Can I jump in and just say the art was <laughs> garbage? <laughs> like, my word. I will say a second thing. I do not like Adam
1: Kubert's art with his anchor, And I actually, to the point where it annoyed me so much, and I love Adam Kubert, I love John Romita Jr., like two of my favorite artists, preface that. Um, I went back to look at, like, to see who was the inker for Astonishing Spider-Man vs. Wolverine. You know, who inked q on that? Because that was, like, amazing miniseries. It was Mark Morales. And John Dell, I think, did the inks. Like, it's just, like, it's crazy how much an inker can impact an artist's work on a monthly book. It still blows my mind every time. And it shouldn't shock me to this point, but it totally does. Like, Klaus Jansen on Ramita, on the cap run that he's done the past two years, like, gold. Solid gold, but the inker on his work, I think Scott Hanna, just didn't do it for me. It, it's like a totally different artist.
2: Well, just onslaught of negativity. <laughs> I'm
1: sorry. It's I had to get it out of the open now,
2: otherwise it would bother me the whole show. Um, yeah, it, it was. It's noticeable, especially uh, Ramita Junior's art. It's noticeable. I don't know if it's you know garbage,
0: but. <laughs> I, I'm just saying there, there could be a breathtaking splash page of Cyclops in his Phoenix armor with like fire in his fingertips, and then the next like page, there's a panel where he's fighting Hope and he looks like he's wearing a sausage casing. I mean, there's no consistency. With that in, said, in the breakdowns.
1: Coy Bell's art was amazing for his oh, like man. two
2: or three issues. Like that guy, whew. that art is. Whew. That was that was the best of the book, definitely. Yeah,
1: I think actually Mark Morales inked his issues and only his issues, but it probably took Coype like two months to do each issue. That's probably why he only did two issues.
2: Gorgeous. What gorgeous did you think stuff.
1: of the the series as a whole? Let's let's get on on track. Yeah. Enough of Jonesy just uh, pooping Unloading. all over the series. Unloading. <sighs> um, okay, here we go.
0: He's, I hope he... they listen to this uh, book club and think I hate all their work based on. One inconsistent issue of a comic book. Uh,
1: Dale, please get into what your your
2: overall thoughts of the series, please. Um, it it was a treat to go back and read it by itself. When I when I read this monthly, I was way steeped in. I had I had read all the tie ins. I think the only tie in I stopped reading was Uncanny X Men for for reason, you know, for well-noted
1: reasons in right. previous episodes.
2: But the the tie-ins, I mean I was just so my, I was marvelled in the the entire work as a whole. So to go back and kind of look at it from fresh eyes and probably, you know, eyes from a new reader, it was it was cool to see how much was in the main event that didn't feel like gleaned over, or like didn't feel like there was information missing from one book to a next, and um, like for example, when the Phoenix Five start like terraforming the Earth, and and they they mention like how they're celebrated, like people love them for it, people are celebrated for it. I can I can. Like it's 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 addressed in the conversation that that's the case, but that had to have been addressed at some point in Uncanny X Men, I guess.
1: <clears throat> oh yeah, I forgot about that because in those monthly issues, the Phoenix Five were the main characters for like several months of their main titles.
2: Yeah, yeah. So, um, but I I mean it, it it felt I I loved it, you know from. 13 issues it's they have a lot of room to play and tell a story which i i really thought they did a great job from going to you know originally thinking the phoenix was coming for hope and then tony stark kind of shrapneling the phoenix into the the five x men <clears throat> they really got a chance to tell a uh, an in-depth story in the the amount of issues that were allotted to them, you know the the only thing. Now, as a as a as a reader who may not care as much, I, I personally didn't care for the Scarlet Witch stuff only because I think she's used as some like lynchpin in the, in the Marvel U. But you know, otherwise, the this stuff how they took the the Immortal Iron Fist and the, you know, the dragon power and stuff like that. I thought that was a really neat twist and something that, you know, the K'un Loon, who, what's K'un Loon to anybody reading comics, but it was cool how they gave it a little bit of importance for this event. And uh, it was, was, I liked it. I really liked it, going back to it.
0: I will say, not only is this story uh, well thought out, accessible and just a lot of big fun this event is one of the better if not best events that i've ever read from marvel uh even surpassing civil war i thought and you know i think fear itself presented a big lesson to learn i mean if i don't don't know if you guys even finished it but there's a lot of issues in the main Fear and Self title where it's like, well, if you want to find out what happens to Hulk or the Absorbing Man, get this issue and this issue and this issue. And so every issue there had outs where you totally had no stakes. And the next issue you had no idea what was going on. Hmm. Uh, AVX, on the other hand, uh, was perfectly played as just a 13-issue series where you could just read that and the tie-ins just added a little bit more. It was just a little bit beefier. So the architecture of this event, I think, was probably the the most perfect execution they've ever done. Yeah. Agreed. Uh, all the backup material, I thought, was great. Even the Kun Loon stuff. Uh, and especially, I loved... I'm not sure if it was an issue at Avengers or Uncanny X-Men, but do you remember the backup story where uh, fan favorite, paper keg favorite, Spider-Woman is caught in, like, a um, prison spell. of the mind on Utopia. Oh, and, yeah. And uh, every day she breaks out and saves her friends, and it's really just uh, a mental prison to keep her from actually breaking out. Hmm. So every time they get out, they're like, oh, hey, by the way, mm-hmm. uh, you're not really out, and we're going to wipe your mind, and you're going to wake up tomorrow trying to do the same thing. So, it, I mean, just issues like that where they were able to do that and it didn't even affect the main story, and you could just read the AVX title and still get so much out of it, uh, was superbly executed. And I thought the ending, uh, where they finally get rid of Phoenix in as much as you actually can get rid of it, um, and bringing the mutants back, was like this perfect ending to this old Marvel. You know, it's kind of like the bow tie. Like, everything started with no more mutants in House of M. Yeah and then finally wrapped up in AVX. And I want to say it's like six years later, or if not more. So finally, like, a big beat in Marvel ended, and it was the perfect time to start Marvel now, and they didn't lose any momentum. So I think we're going to look back even now at, you know, Paper Cake X episode 500 and relate how important AVX was to Marvel then.
1: Yeah, because it's there's not a whole lot of events that... Like, I, I think the one that always comes to mind is is Grant Morrison's new X-Men, where that set the X-Men crew on a path that, like, had gone unchanged for many years, where it was, you know, Cyclops and Emma and, you know, the the beak character, you know, that created, and Quentin Quire, like, that created an, an updated world for X-Men that went unchanged for many years. What Was where,
2: he a new X-Men? yeah
1: the, yeah he was um i think that's where he first debuted in new x-men where i think cool. he even led a revolt from the school i can't remember what it was called it was like breakout or escape from Xavier's. but yeah there's a cover from that run where quentin is like raising his fist in the air and leading a revolution from the school so he was he was like not a um anti-hero in that run he was like literally a jerk and <laughs> yeah. he was a, he was like a villain essentially so it wasn't until, I could be wrong, but Wolverine the X-Men where that character was kind of brought back in like a punk, lovable character type. So this like made such a, a huge change and I think, um, was Schism before or after AVX? I guess it was before. Yeah. Well, right before. So Schism was kind of like the first major change where like there was a splitting of the factions, but making Cyclops into a totally new character was like the biggest thing that had been done in in so many years and it's not often where they do something for the x-men where it, it sets the mold for many many years to come so like cyclops is still in that mold now and it's a, just a great turn for the character and you can see that all that stuff has cemented although the repercussions for the other characters i don't think has really um stayed in place. Like Ileana and Colossus and Emma were a part of the, the Phoenix five, but they didn't really have at least as far as I'm aware, repercussions that would last for many years as Cyclopses did. Which I you know, which I get, but it was really mainly for Cyclops, I guess. Which I I mean it was great. I mean he he became the new updated Magneto which was a great turn. I mean even key killed Xavier at the end with that like quite bad uh artwork which is dynamite i mean god his his two issues or two or three issues they're like works of art his stuff
2: yeah the the charles xavier like panels and and stuff like that it was just superb superbly drawn gorgeous stuff gorgeous it makes stuff me wonder
1: him. how they even orchestrated all this stuff with the different writers like i'll write these two issues you write these two I wonder if that was just like a large pain in the ass to, to put together because they haven't really done it again since, I mean, it's only been a few years, but just by having that many people on such a large event, I can't imagine how they they put it together.
2: Yeah, that's probably, it probably takes a couple years just to get the scheduling to, to hit on all points and line up talent for the art and, and all that. And, you know, so it was well worth the wait in that regard because that uh, you know hit, who know, who knows how long it took for them to whip that up and who knows if who knows how long it is until we see something like that to that effort again again and and probably because i think they they tend to i haven't really paid attention before avx but they they like they'll do the big event and then marvel you know does these mini events in, in certain issue certain runs of titles and it's it's a nice like smattering of different size events
1: and the follow-up which was rare for me like there's always like kind of that epilogue miniseries that ties up the event the um cyclops one where he was in prison was actually very well done and that was kieran gillen writing where it was cyclops in this prison um and him dealing with him being viewed as a villain and how he perceived that and him interacting with other characters. And then finally him kind of coming to grips with being this uh, revolutionary Mm -hmm. that people look up to. It was really well done. I was actually really surprised because a lot of this stuff, like even in the ultimate universe, there's like these death of Spider-Man fallout. That's a weekly and the art is not so hot and it doesn't really have a lasting impact, but this one really took a great look into the character.
0: Yeah. ABX consequences, right? Yeah. Was that mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, yeah, his portrayal of Scott as kind of a snotty, you know, bad winner, I, I thought was really good because Scott knows he's done wrong, but he knows if he shows even just a little weakness, even to Wolverine, that he will lose everything he's built for, and he Sees himself as, you know, justification. All all the wrong he's done justifies the fact that all the mutants are back. So he grows comfortable with this, you know, messianic role of I saved the mutant race. I did it. No one else. And the people who had to die had to die. The fact that he doesn't immediately realize that he's Magneto and the very thing he's thought again thought against his whole life is still to this day... Confusing to me, unless we finally get an issue where inside his head he's like, "If I stop him for a second, like I'll have like a mental breakdown because mm-hmm. I know how out of control my life has become." And even still, like the Bendis
1: stuff, like we're just kind of, I'm kind of switching gears, but the Magneto character today is really kind of just lame in my view. Like the Magneto character as he stands now in Uncanny X Men, because Cyclops has usurped that character. And I think that there's a Magneto miniseries coming up soon, but from AVX, and really even before AVX until now, he, he, Magneto really hasn't even done anything.
0: Don't you like to reference that uncanny issue where he gets, like, locked in <laughs> a <the> broom closet <laughs> and, like, tied that up with, was, with, like,
1: bungee cords? That was a metaphor for the Magneto character for the last decade. I think even Karen Gillan wrote that. I was so disgusted with Magneto in that issue that he was just beaten up and tied behind his hands, tied behind his back, and thrown into a closet in full costume regalia. It was the silliest thing I'd ever seen.
2: I I don't mind the Ma- Magneto costume or the the costume. I don't I don't mind Magneto as a character in the the issues before AVX and since. I think it's curious, and it, I guess maybe they addressed it after. AVX was over, but the fact that Magneto stayed, but I guess the, even after the Phoenix Five was over, they kind of stayed together. Even though, even though, like the the Phoenix Force turned them into total D bags. Yeah, there was a other.
1: trepidation for the majority of the series in like the monthlies. And going back to what I was talking about for like permanent character changes at the end of Morrison's run. When, um, at the end, like right when I think, I'm trying to think of when it happened, but when Cyclops or when Magneto was revealed as being hidden as Zorn during his entire tenure, Wolverine decapitated him to like save everybody and Magneto was dead. That would have been the end of that character. And actually I would have been fine with that because he hasn't done anything since then. But like going to like the last time major changes happened to the X-Men, that was it. Like, and it was like obvious, like well, that's the end of Magneto, until like a month later, it was retconned by a different writer.
2: <laughs> uh, I, I, but the, um, the Spider-Man issue I really liked. I, th- I thought it was curious that, and curious only because it was a, you know, I, it was an observation. But like Spider-Man was devoted a whole issue to himself, and and it was because he was training Hope and. You know, he's reminding hope that you're you're an Avenger now, and even though, you know, Avengers is uh, and being on the an Avenger is is just like you're on a huge team, and you're probably just a number against a vast majority of uh, other Avengers. Like one of these days, your time will come, and you'll be able to step up to the plate, and mm-hmm. and then coincidentally, he he managed to take out two of the Phoenix Five characters in that issue, but. I just find it curious that it was Spider-Man.
1: Yeah. And and then even, even then he really didn't do it physically. He kind of just outsmarted them and just laid the groundwork for how they could take each other out, which I liked. If I had one negative of that whole thing, it was the, it was almost like a, a parody at that point. He got beaten up so bad that he was talking to Ben. Like, a near. he was, like, in a near-death state. <laughs> yeah. So, like, oh, Spider-Man beaten to near-death. Let's mark this check. Just reference Ben, and I'm coming, Ben. Like, it's I'm just coming, coming Can we just not do it anymore? Where he's just beaten to an inch of his life, and he's talking to his dead relatives.
0: Man, would you feel better if they retconned Ben out of the total Spider-Man mythos at this point? <laughs> I just I'm fine with him being
1: dead, but he just doesn't really need to do... As many references as as he currently
2: does, maybe they'll address that in the seven hundred point point issues that are currently hitting. There's the going to be a
1: whole issue where he is in a coma and he talks to Ben the entire issue. <laughs> yeah, because in the I snow, love those
2: issues, face down in the snow, like Dark Nights. But
1: I, I, it was it's interesting because you each issue is written by a different guy and you can kind of get their 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 voice a little bit in each issue. You can kind of tell. At least to me, I could kind of tell it was written by a different writer each time. Uh, I don't know if that's probably just from being a nerdy comic reader, but Mm -hmm. um, I'd be curious to know what kind of a non reader thought of this event. Someone who maybe just hopped into it, is it like enough for them to enjoy it, or did they start reading after that? Like, what did they pick up? I'd be really curious to know.
2: I mean to the energy that came off of this event and and that just the marvel now and everything just swirling around at the very end it, there was so much energy and and to be on the inside and to be a monthly reader at that point I mean it, there was just so much to be excited for when this event was finished like bendis going to the x titles and you know the the x titles like starting over and the all new X, like it was just everything was magic, and that's I think this holds a place in my heart even more so. It's because the, because I know like what spawned from Avengers versus X Men. It was like a boon to the whole publisher. I think. Mm-hmm. I mean, like from this onward was just like fruitful, a cornucopia of ideas and energy it was is absolutely brilliant so
1: Jonesy, outside of the garbage art that you talked about <laughs> what was your uh what was the pulse for you
0: i i just i did i did love this event um you know the inconsistent art aside in some issues guys uh i just loved it i and i loved the what came after and uh marvel now it, owe so much to this series, kind of really jumping off the the new direction they were going in, but even this, even these 13 issues just has so much that's new and mind-bending, like even the thought of the Phoenix Five, like totally remaking the uh, cosmology of the planet, and and just like a new fascism they developed as the mutant race, and just great mind-bending concepts that we hadn't seen before in these 13 issues. And I loved it for that. And and there was a lot of Avengers rallying, you know, kind of like some needless action in the first act. Yeah. You know, like, Oh, we're going to build this and fight this. And then as soon as it hit its stride in issue five, like I began to see the genius that was AVX and really where they planned to take it all, you know? So what an event that kind of starts out as just a beat up book and really becomes something so more profound. I, I just, I love AVX and I'm probably going to reread this, you know, a lot more times as in the coming years.
1: I really did like to, when you talked about Dale terraforming and Jonesy rebuilding the planet, there was a moment where beast even wondered like, should we even bother trying to stop them at this point? Like what bad are they doing? And then he leaves, you know, and, and even references that he doesn't really have a place for, to call home mm-hmm. anymore because he's trying to defeat his friends and, with the help of his friends and he wasn't really agreeing with it. I thought that was a great uh, issue. And then on top of that, the, I guess this the second to last issue where Scott becomes dark Phoenix, where I like pooped in my, my panties, <laughs> like what well, that, that panel where like the worst has happened. He's gone dark Phoenix. and I was like, Oh God, help me Jesus. But that was great.
2: And the, the like come the, the penultimate like issues where, Hope just kind of, like, she just, she gets her ass together, basically, because, you know, it all started because she couldn't handle the Phoenix Force to begin with, which, you know, looking back was kind of, kind of a weird, like, six more issues came out of that, came out of the, uh, the title because Hope was begging and she couldn't handle the Phoenix Force, but, um, the way she she was just able to handle Cyclops like with just she's she's kind of got her yin and her yang together and she has her training. She was uh, riding that dragon. I mean, it was it was great. The the uh, Iron Fist incorporation and the uh, you know the fact that the Phoenix had visited before and had has had this uh, eternal battle with the Iron Fist power. It was it was it was cool how they tied that in and the way hope was, it was like Neo at the end of the matrix, the way hope was just like without much effort whatsoever. She was just like started being able to handle her crap. And that that was
1: really cool. Speaking of Neo, did you see the trailer for that new movie he's in 47
2: Ronin looks great. Oh my word. You tell me, you tell me exactly what's happening in in that trailer. And I will (laughs) offer my comments. That thing looks like a whole jumble of things. I don't even know. Uh, you're. Uh, we'll talk about.
0: I it I bet later. you love John Hamm though, if he was <laughs> yeah. in that movie.
1: <laughs> this made up conversation that we had while you were parading around in your new garments at the bar.
0: <laughs> Alleged made
1: up. Uh, Avengers versus X Men. Three thumbs up, uh, with some questionable art choices, but on the whole, we should grab it.
0: We got your letters. I'm gonna open them up. Farrington's gonna read them to you.
1: Letters at paperkeg.com. You shoot us a letter and we might read it on the era. And I uh, might have ran into the Mark Farrington character recently. He did not have nice things to say about
0: the Wolverine.
2: What?
0: <laughs> Guy gets out of comics for five months and all of a sudden an authority. Come on, yeah,
2: from the from the grave. <laughs> Wake up, uh, Mark!
0: <laughs> All right, our first letter comes to us from front of the show, Roy Cogdell. He writes, "Here's the thing about AVX. While it wasn't a perfect uh, comic from issue to issue, it did the two things that event is supposed to. The first was wrap up ten years of X Men storylines when the Scarlet uh, B." He says, (laughs) uttered, no more mutants. She pitted mutants into hell. After decimating the species, Scott Summers brought the race back from the brink, becoming a great leader, a greater leader than Captain America has ever had to be. In issue one, ten years of rage, anger, and fear ripped through his eyes. I like that line, actually. Yeah. I loved watching the Phoenix Five try and reshape the world with their power. It was the Avengers fault that they ultimately failed and went crazy. The second was that it brought real change to the 616 universe. Captain America admitted their past mistakes and how they handled mutants as actually trying to change the way things are done now. And Cyclops is running the mutant revolution. Cyclops was right.
2: That's a really poignant letter. And, like, everything he said I completely agree with. But I forgot, like, the... Just the he was completely completely right about cyclops but i mean the it's a, it's amazing how i did get into that where i mean for cyclops this was this was huge man like he believed hope to be like cyclops whether he liked it or not self-appointed leader of the mutants like he's put in that place and he you know he's everybody's looking to him and he believes that this one mutant is the Messiah. And it's going to bring, you know, uh, bring them back from the precipice of extinction. And if in order to, like, his beliefs were so strong that he's willing to do what, what transpired in AVX because of it. I mean, that's, like, that's deep stuff. And, like, he's, say what you want and whether you agree with Cyclops or not, but, like... He had to shoulder that. And, I mean, it was, it's pretty incredible. Roy, Roy pinpoint all that. Like, we we didn't even get into that. But good job. No, Roy. that's
0: that's a whole aspect of, like, the mutant hate and kind of we've had enough part of it that we really didn't delve deeply into. But he's right on the money. Like, if if you want to blame an establishment for, you know, not helping the mutants when they could... I mean, it wasn't even policy that they didn't even mention mutants were mutants on the Avengers for a while. So, it wouldn't wasn't that a thing? Like, they wouldn't admit that uh, Whoa. Wasp was a mutant or whatever. Like, they just wouldn't put it out there. So, that's a great point that I think we, yeah. we missed, and thanks for writing in.
2: Yeah, man. Thank you. Next come up for uh, the next letter comes up our friend uh, of the show, Jim Lind. Dear Paper Keg, at 6.05, six minutes and five seconds in episode 128, when Jonesy admitted that he had no clue who the Inhumans were, I would have spit out my drink and throw my radio across the room if I wasn't safely driving my car down the highway. Instead, I just yelled, what? I tried to come up with an insult. I tried to come up with an insult, caught the essence of fake geek loves beer, but wasn't a complete troll when I couldn't. So there you go. As to your further conversation about why Marvel would be playing up the Inhumans characters when the X-Men exist and have a similar character dynamic, I heard a rumor. A rumor that Dale underscore Ace Reporter would have already debunked or confirmed if the news segment wasn't canceled. (laughs) Word on the street was that because the Fox movie people are going to keep the rights for the X-Men movie franchise as long as possible, the Inhumans might fill the role of the outcast superfolk in the Marvel Avengers movie universe, Letter Lightning column he's got for RoboCop: The Last Stand number four. Still, still terrible, but at least there isn't much dialogue, so is it a fast read. Regards at Jimlin for Pope on the Twitter. I heard that rumor too about the Inhumans things, and, and which is I mean, you heard that on the beat. Yeah, <laughs> I heard that in the, on the uh, the news the, beat. The news beats that weren't canceled. The if that's true, I mean, I could see why they would, and to so they could exploit uh, another avenue in the in the movie property. But I mean, I just don't know if it could ever be as big as the X Men, and to start now is is I mean, it's trying. They're reaching, they're reaching. I don't blame them. I don't blame them, and I don't disbelieve this or believe it, but. What do, you, what do you guys think about that? The, those rumors. Uh,
0: I don't know. I think it's a bad move. We already have Asgardians, you know, which kind of fit the role already of the Inhumans. Uh, do, do they? You know? Know, the Expo. I, I get.
1: Like Alien, enough that I don't really you cares. Think, nobody cares about the Asgardians. Let's yeah. be honest. I, I'm not,
0: listen, I'm not saying care about them. I'm just saying, listen for one two, GD minute. Two words. Jan
2: Jurgens oh, cares on. about right. the Asgardians.
0: Uh, this just in, Jonesy's never speaking about Thor ever again in his life. Uh, what a show. Trolled in the silence. Uh, our third letter comes to us again from Jim Lynn. And he says, Tina Turner's tiny dancer is one of the reasons I met my wife. That's all. I think he means private dancer, and I hope he's implying his wife is a stripper.
2: <laughs> we don't need
0: another hero. <sighs> I wish we had Private Dancer to
1: cue up to uh, take us out of the show. We don't, we don't have we, the interns on that.
0: We could cue it. We could cue. Can it we get right that queued And I got an s eating grin on my face before you can
2: cue that. Before your guitar starts shaking, Jonesy, let's uh cricket crickets. I could have queued up the cricket
0: noises before. <laughs> <laughs> this is this goes for you, Mrs. Lind, from the boys in paper keg to your heart. That was actually
1: Jonesy exhaling <laughs> That wasn't Dina. <laughs> classic what was the what's our next book club we already have it picked out don't we five
2: ghosts was it yes what do you want it to be dark horse book eric Powell book (laughs) what
1: thanks for listening to the paper cake podcast we'll see everybody next week
0: viewers, I just wish you could see the arm-swimming dance moves <laughs> of our host, Salim, of this Paper Cake podcast.
2: Mm. Good show. was show.
0: Tessie Art. <laughs>
1: Man, he really took a big dump on John Romita Jr. and uh, Adam Kubert on that book club.
0: Well, Luckily, they don't know who the FIM or care.
2: Did it for shock value, I'm sure.
0: Classic
1: shock jock loves beer.
0: <laughs> Stern loves beer over here. Anybody have time to read anything else worthwhile uh, this week? Shh, barely. I uh, Timmy Gibbs uh, pointed me toward the direction of... Uh, T. Gibbs. He likes to be called T. Gibbs. It's not Timmy Gibbs?
1: That's nah, it's T. Gibbs. That's what his license T-Gib? plate says.
0: <laughs> uh so i haven't read that in humanity yet i have letter 44 number two downloaded for like three weeks and just haven't read it yet but i'm super excited to read that same i have many
2: downloaded for weeks but are you up to date on superior dale second issue did
0: you
1: read of the new arc no not yet
2: neither have
1: i i read the first issue to be honest though
2: too busy troubleshooting the uh, bugs in my xbox one to (laughs) to read anything
1: so have you used? You, you haven't hooked up your cable box down there, right? You haven't no. been able to utilize that. Have you done the fast switching, like between game and home screen and Netflix and all that stuff? It's all crap. It's all
2: no. It's nobody. Really, does, nobody needs to do it that fast. Nobody. But I mean, maybe. You ever
1: you you never needed to switch to Hulu Plus to Netflix
2: to a game like that? I do that all the time. Do you? As fast as they need it, they they can. I need Netflix now. When you're done playing a hockey game, you want to fire up Netflix.
1: You know, that's what happens. In the current 360, you got to wait like a minute for that to happen.
2: When I'm done admitting defeat on the fact that I can't finish Assassin's Creed 4, I just turn the console off. That's what I do.
0: You passive-aggressively drink in front of it? <laughs> yeah,
2: Yeah, whisper. Whisper. Whisper under my I breath I'm just it. gonna
0: drink alone, Xbox. I don't know what you want me to do.
2: Certain aspects. I mean, you always got to. I. You just got to go back to the home screen a lot, and I, I just haven't had time to. Like watch Netflix down here or anything, but.
1: Sounds like a bad purchase.
2: No, I don't. I. I still. I. Con- I consider a good purchase. Day one edition. That's what it's all about. But
1: once the division comes out. Oh my! Oh my, god. oh my! When we have I, our own, our own solidified unit, I trust running that. the
2: streets. Oh my god! <laughs> I can't wait! I can't wait!
1: I hope that the Five Hour Company works as some kind <laughs> of marketing deal with the division, where they have the division branded Five Hours that we can all buy and use together.
0: Already buying stock in uh, the Five Hour Company. <laughs> I wish that was their name, the Five Hour Company.
1: I'm sure it's
2: not. What about division-branded child restraints to keep them in their bed? (laughs) Keep them in their infant, their toddler beds so we can... Division-brand children's (laughs) Tylenol to drug them with?
1: So Yeah, so for people that don't follow our Twitter feed, this show is delayed by like 50 minutes because my son was crying. So we're trying to wean him off of me sitting in a chair in his room until he falls asleep. And I've been doing my internet research on such things. So we've been taking steps to get that to happen and it's been going fine for three nights but tonight was not a good night <laughs> and when he finally stopped crying he's like daddy i'm not crying anymore i'm happy and i was like okay great close your eyes he's like okay and then he puts his eyes
2: closed
0: oh nice. that's cute it's my life it's my life you guys
2: think could turn on a dime <laughs> probably he'll probably be
1: back to his old tricks once the outfit comes out in 2016 or the division, whatever the, di- the hell it's called. Yeah,
0: <laughs> the division 26. 2021. twenty twenty will be going into college, but <laughs> we're going to be playing, though.
2: You Wh- better believe is, it.
1: Uh, I think, um, uh, what's the Halo game called? Dynasty or the new one that Bungie made? That comes out like September 2014.
2: Um, Destiny.
1: Destiny, that's it. Whew, man. Although I have no desire to play that.
2: Not as much as The Division. No way. Oh, would say.
1: my. That's a, that's a day one purchase. I don't even have an Xbox One yet, but that's a day one.
2: If you haven't seen... If you, if you guys out there haven't watched the trailer for it, you just got to watch it. I mean, it will sell you up the river.
1: There's a period where... Remember the scene where the, they're walking through the streets, and then a guy is playing the game on his Microsoft Surface and he's just flying a drone overhead and like calling out things and then he's like okay guys i got to go i got to go eat dinner and he sh- he like signs out from his microsoft surface tablet I, That's I, insane i, I had diarrhea all myself once i saw that
0: <laughs> live stream of poop juice
1: <laughs> oh god i i hope that game is good pray pray to pray yeah. to our
2: lords pray to the xbox one lords it's not buggy <laughs>
1: Hopefully they have all the Dale Underscore a bugs cleaned out so he can yeah. finally play a game for more than 10 minutes.
2: Infinite load screens and complete terrain missing, walking on air, that, that sort of things. Tom <laughs> Clancy, if you're listening, if we could just get all that hammered out before the a, division debuts.
1: You and Tom Clancy need to have a confab. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of which, when is Jonesy Love Beer going to be guest hosting on the Echo Rift podcast? Never going to
0: happen I, I think they've just Indiana been toying. They've just been toying with me is what it is Oh yeah, you're going to be in uh, after we have seven Doctor Who episodes <laughs> by uh, Paul Shirley Oh, you're going to be in, but Dale needs to come back for eight episodes, and we're doing 16 episodes with Slim, so maybe late 2015 oh my gosh. Uh, If we For not recording with some new person that I've yet wow. to think of to insert wow. into this troll Wow,
2: what about the uh, guy whose uh Twitter feed you loved at the bar <laughs> right.
0: he'll be on he'll be on the show before I will
2: <laughs> your sweater your cable net sweater will be on before.